0: Welcome back to Vulcan Hello, the Incomparables, Star Trek Discovery, Flashcast. I am your host, Scott McNulty. I don't know why I'm talking like this.
1: Is this the mirror, Scott? Has the <laughs> mirror, Scott, been put in charge of this podcast? Because that would seem like a really, really bad idea. It's,
0: it's a twist that uh, nobody sees coming. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that voice you heard Hi. was, uh, one assumes, the Prime Universe. Yes. Jason Snell. It's me. Hi. Hello. Hello, Jason. Thank you for joining me. And we have a special guest this uh, this episode, Erica Ensign. Erica, thank you for joining me. And Jason.
2: I <laughs> am happy to be here. I assure you, I am also from the Prime universe. Mm-hmm. No twists mm. coming, I swear.
0: That's what a Terran would say.
1: Yeah.
0: Dud, dud, dud. The episode we're going to talk about is the 14th and penultimate oh. episode of this season. It is called The War Without, The War Within. Uh, crazy stuff happens. Well, not a lot of crazy stuff happens, but at the end, I feel like uh, there's a twist that I did not see coming that perhaps many more seasoned viewers saw coming, but I did not. Uh, And i like to start at the the twist, so let's start there. Uh, Captain Georgiou, resurrected or not? What? (laughs) It is not the Captain Georgiou. Uh
2: Uh-uh. Yeah, I felt a little bit like the the hope that I saw on the faces of some of the, the crew there was... I mean it was such a brief pan across them that i can forgive it but they were in the mirror universe yes they hadn't been told that mirror Jojo had been brought aboard but i mean my f- i would hope that my maybe second instinct after a split second would
1: be wait a minute yeah but uh, <laughs> yeah maybe that's like the, d- the, the detmer
2: the... detmer looked
1: really happy <laughs> maybe the next episode like literally starts out with wait a second but i i suspect i suspect not i So, here's how I feel about this twist. Um, My last two notes are, are you kidding me? And this is a terrible idea. Now, do I mean the show or do I mean Starfleet? I'm not entirely... I I think I mean Starfleet because I can see thematically... It's very clear what they want to set up here, which is Burnham is going to have to betray Giorgio again, but this time mm-hmm. for the right reasons. And that's going to be the perfect mirror uh, of how the show started. But like I expected Giorgio to be like brought in because of like All of a sudden, they're like, oh, well, she's the only choice we've got, and we're going to have to use her, and it was going to be like Hannibal Lecter, right? Like, oh, well, we Mm -hmm. got to put constraints around her. Instead, they're like, nope, we're (laughs) just going to give you the keys to one of our only remaining starships, evil lady from another universe. (laughs) Go ahead. Knock yourself out. This will be fine. This will be
2: fine. I am looking forward to finding out what the big secret is. What is it that she told Sarek that he is going back and that he is, he shared that we the audience don't get to know that oh. could have possibly made this seem like a good idea. And, um, I, I suspect that I'm not going to think it's, it's enough to make it sound like a good idea, but I, but I take your point that, you know, it, it, it narratively it does seem like it's kind of tying and leaving room to tie a nice neat bow at the end for, For our our hero.
1: Right. Emotionally, it makes sense to have us end up with Giorgio in the captain's seat and Burnham and Saru next to her in the last episode like the first where they can draw parallels like I totally get that but it seems just like I just don't buy what we've seen that they would just jump to we're just going to dress her up like the real Giorgio and put her in charge of the ship and everybody's going to have to play along who knows that she's the emperor come on that seemed crazy to me but oh well yeah. yeah.
0: I think her secret uh, plan for defeating the Klingons is kill all the Klingons. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, s- I bet you're right. <laughs> Which, you know, nobody would have thought of without her. Uh, but I guess her other, the other part is that you jump into the middle of the planet and scan it and then there's kill
2: everybody on it well, there's it, a, cave, it a makes, lot of it, it makes sense to jump into the middle of the planet and scan it so that you know where the military targets are if you're doing things Federation style you only want to hit the military targets right. you don't want to hit the civilians but if her plan really is just you know you know kill everybody or blow up the entire planet it doesn't seem to me like there's any good reason to actually jump in and map it out so I don't know if that is just uh, if that's not even really going to happen now that she's in charge
1: or what the deal is yeah she's p- playing a long, a long game here or something that's entirely possible Mm -hmm. it's true it also uh, is possible here's another theory that i won't say for the conspiracy corner because (gasps) the conspiracy corner it turns out is where we correctly guess things and this is totally (laughs) not true but i'm just saying what if it turns out that to be the captain of the discovery you gotta be from the mirror universe Eh. oh it's it's part of huh. the. It's, it's just in the contract. The computer <laughs> won't is. recognize anyone else. It's mm-hmm. just it's it's an error that ha- when
0: yeah, it's a flaw that they they overlooked in uh, their most powerful <laughs> starship.
1: Mm-hmm. Whoops, <laughs>
0: it has to be uh, piloted by an uh, evil person. Evil doppelganger yeah. that we yep. did not know existed. Uh, although a shout out for Captain Archer, so hooray! For yes, that. yes, mm-hmm. Ar- uh, Captain Archer
1: was there. <laughs> was Speaking like of maniacal evil people, the uh, um, Captain Archer. The uh, can we also while we're talking about I- ISS uh, ships, I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. First off, I love that they very quickly have a little drone that goes out there and paints the <laughs> yes. U back on the on the saucer. That was sweet. And also, I love let, it. Let's pour one out for Captain Killy. She didn't make it. The Aww. Klingons blew up the mm-hmm. ISS Discovery. So, yeah. That's, oh, well. That
2: that makes me so sad, so sad. I hope for Halloween in the future that Tilly just she dresses up as Captain Killy like every year, just to just to keep a little bit of that alive.
0: Now, there's no saying that uh, the Klingons perhaps did not caption, capture, caption, caption. I can't even speak capture. There you go. The K- uh, well, it's
1: it's natural in Star Trek Discovery to connect Klingons with captions, Scott. <laughs> it's true. Fuck taken. And then and, and Captain Killy
0: is out there on a Klingon ship, plying uh, the intergalactic sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe she's taking it over, and that's the second part of. uh, And I guess I should acknowledge uh, people who listen to this know that I live in Philadelphia, perhaps or not. But the Eagles have won some sort of sporting event, yes, and uh, the city is going crazy. So if you hear more background noise, (laughs) that is is that is the sound of
1: the city of Philadelphia burning to the ground right (laughs) behind you. Yeah,
2: (laughs) that's not a siren you hear. That's literally Philadelphia screaming. (laughs) Those are just fans, right? They're just
0: standing out on the
1: street going.
0: That's how we, how we celebrate things in Philadelphia. Yep. <laughs> it's very confusing for people. Uh, but back to Star Trek, which people actually care about. Not, uh, Not football, which I don't think anyone cares about. <laughs> Dumb, stupid football. What feels like this episode is... Uh, so we had our time in the Mirror Universe. It was fun. Uh, we saw, you know, uh, shiny black breastplates and all kinds of stuff happen in there. Uh, but there was a lot of unresolved things that need to get resolved. And this episode, it feels like it's just setting up for the season finale, right, we have to deal with, uh, you know, our our tag-along evil Georgiou, Uh, we've got to deal with, uh, you know, something as simple as uh, Burnham lying to Saru about Kelpians in the Mirror Universe, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Culver's death, the Klingon war, Lorca's methods, uh, Tyler, and the lack of spores, all of this is is kind of uh, at least moved along in this episode, not all dealt with. Uh, But let's talk. I just want to talk about how we feel about the people on Discovery and the seeming lack of dealing with Culver's death.
2: I I did think that the one scene that uh, that alluded to that was, I think, performance-wise, my favorite scene in all of it because Anthony Rapp is amazing. Uh, His his just cold fury was. It was almost like. A little bit of original Stamets before he got all blissed out on shrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to see him with with some of that same sort of crisp and and, and harsh delivery as he's as he's talking to him as he's talking to Tyler, and especially just as he walks away and says, "Maybe you're still human after all." Um, but yeah, I just that that moment was really. It was really strong for me on the uh, on both sides actually because mm-hmm. you know you see Tyler is, is is poor Ash has to deal with the fact that he did all of these things except that it wasn't really him and it's it's all very confusing and I think that he's really confused by it too so I was I was okay with that being the only scene that really talked about it because the scene where he's sitting all by himself and then by the end of the scene everybody has come over to to sit with him to kind of show yeah. the, at least tacit forgiveness um, from from a good number of people. That made me cry. It was That was just like, I, I wasn't expecting to see something that made me feel good about human nature in this season of Star Trek at this point when things are moving <laughs> so fast and there are so many horrible people doing horrible things. Uh, so I was glad that nobody else was bringing up Dr. Culber left and right because that would have just felt really bad
1: yeah Tilly is I love Tilly Tilly has turned out to be Mm -hmm. such a fantastic character when she's introduced the fear is that she's going to be kind of a one-note comic relief and she is not not even Mm -hmm. close she is a complete person and I love her she's great and so it seemed perfectly in character that she would be like well I'm getting up and going over there and he says you don't have to be there and she's like nope here I am, Uh, you know, talk if you want, like, she's just, she knows that's the right thing to do. Um, she's a decent human being. I, what I like about the Stamets scene is that they didn't play it as, no, no, let me explain that I'm a Klingon mm-hmm. who thinks that... Mm-hmm. Like, that's not there. And I like to believe the way I read that scene is that Stamets knows the whole story. He knows yeah. that the guy he's talking to isn't really the personality who killed Culber. And that's why he says it the way he... Like, this is his generosity. Is mm-hmm. As a result, all he says is do you regret it yes i i'm i it's terrible and he's like good like there's hope for you yet and he walks away and i feel like that is exactly the right way to play that so i thought both of those unlike most of the things like again i like the details here but like that scene where saru is like here's an armband wander around (laughs) <laughs> I don't understand. You've got a well, guy, like, like. do we believe Laurel? Does he, mm-hmm. I know he seems fine, but he seemed fine before. Lauren, when this episode was done, was like, wow, this is just Starfleet makes bad decisions episode. because
2: <laughs> My headcanon is that that armband actually has the ability to put him down pretty much instantaneously I think, if he gets out of line.
1: And tracks him everywhere he goes, and I I mean, yeah. I would think mm-hmm. that, I, I just expected that Saru to be, we know Saru can be stern because he was super stern to burn him when she got on the ship i kind of expected that from him here which is even more like you will be monitored if anything goes wrong you will be put you will be taken down immediately but i'm also not going to lock you up because i want to believe that you are uh, better and yep. I, instead it felt a little more like yeah i don't want to lock you up enjoy just wander around I, until people yell at you
2: <laughs> see i thought that was a sign of, of saru being an actually a really good insightful captain mm. because he recognizes the emotional torment that ash is, is going to be going through at this point and if he wants to salvage this person yeah um and 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 have al- allow him to have any kind of a future he needs to make sure that that Ash is able to get past the emotional trauma that he's going through, and having somebody come down on him hard is is not going to do that. It's going to going to do the opposite. So he decides to be kind, and yeah, but and could, it doesn't could, really he, make a difference. The outcome isn't any different. You know, being kind or being stern, he still gets a walk around. Yep, but you kind of made the, the point ship,
1: that like the bracelet. he could have said out loud what you thought, which is also the, if yep. if you do something bad, the bracelet will will will. Uh, but he was the head of security. He,
2: he was the head of security, though. He would know that. Yeah. So why would right. you
0: to tell Ash that Uh, fair they should have stuck him in the brig. He's stupid. Uh, I, I understand why they're doing it for the show, but it is just a bad decision on the part of Eddie captain, I think. Oh, the secret Klingon that tricked yeah. us all? He's fine now because the other Klingon that we uh, mm-hmm. totally was uh, the, in charge of the yeah. plan told us so. You so know, let's just let him walk around with You this know bracelet. how
1: the last time that a secret Klingon came on the ship because and the Klingons told us he was totally fine, we made him the head of security in one episode because <laughs> he could fly a ship and was cool in the brig with... Lorca let's just do that again that worked Out right we could just do that again we'll take the Klingon's <laughs> word for it I, I, yeah, I agree It's like it just feel it honestly It felt like it happened too fast because they know they've Only got one more episode left after this mm-hmm. and, and so right, they yeah. just kind of jumped to it yeah, in the end,
2: I agree stuff. he should be in the brig. But if they're not putting him in the brig, I like the fact that Saru was was nice about it. He's being kind. Yes. I
1: do like to see that from Saru. Yes,
0: uh, yes. And I did I did half expect him just to be like, okay, go up about your business. You're your chief of security again. Uh, so I was glad at least they didn't do that and that they no. did put a little bracelet on him. So
1: and they're trying to draw a parallel with Burnham, right? Like he's he's mm-hmm. they they say later he's. You know what are they going to do? He'll probably end up in a lab somewhere, which I thought, yeah, I think that's realistic. You're in a war with the Klingons, and it, assuming that the Klingons are not your friends at the end of this, which we know they won't be um that a Klingon sleep agent like they're gonna need to analyze him like and figure out what they did and what technology they use so he does not have a really happy road ahead regardless of what happens here so i thought i thought that was realistic it just uh yeah it was it just seemed awfully awfully fast for the rest of it
0: yes and i did like uh i forget who tyler was talking to but they talked he talked about the whole process and how they did it and someone immediately said are there more of you uh which i thought was a good question uh, and he's totally like no i was uh, the first one believe me yeah, I, I think that's
1: second hand to maybe to cornwell by saru i think is how that goes that it's like you know is he the only one i, f- I forget exactly but it's all hanging o- arn Darvin is hanging over all of this mm-hmm. right because this is yes. this is like the whole site the canon we know the klingons will make more sleeper agents who look like humans because there was one in the trouble with tribbles that's so what, we've already seen it yeah and we already know that uh, Kronos is uh, still a planet, so
0: we know they don't blow it up uh, completely. Mm-hmm. But uh, unless there, so that's the other thing. I don't know. I don't know much about this Klingon war, and I think that they pick this because there's not too much canon around this Klingon right. war. Right. Uh, so we don't know if because things are going badly for Starfleet and the Federation at this point. Right. The Klingons have mm-hmm. taken twenty percent of Federation space. They've destroyed. Uh, two-thirds of the fleet or something like that. Uh They blow up Starbase 1, which seems important. <laughs> um, <laughs> or they don't blow it up, they occupy it, which I guess is even worse. Mm-hmm. Uh And it seems like this is, what, ten years before uh, the original Star Trek, right? And nobody really, re- nobody really talks about it. Uh, so I don't know if this is a, a point at which, in the next episode, everything will be reset, which would kind of annoy me, or mm. it's just like we don't talk about it because we got beat so badly and uh, everything is okay. Yeah, just I, don't mention that Klingon war.
1: I <laughs> now feel like they're going for. Um, setting up how the Klingon Federation relationship exists in in the original series. That what they're going for is like this is we we fought. They came in because it's going to be so brief, like this nine month push, and then presumably they're going to push back, or they're going to mm-hmm. or they're going to re- recede to a to like a neutral zone point, so right? Neutral zone. Yeah. That mm-hmm. uh, that it will be like, yeah, we've been fighting them and we hate them, and this is why is we fought this war over the last ten years and they took some of our planets and then they had to. They had to relinquish them. It doesn't seem like they're even like, they're not like moving in colonists or anything. They're just like defeating military objects and killing some civilians and trying to show off to each other, which I think is a neat plot point. The idea that all the houses have just decided to mm-hmm. randomly start attacking and getting getting scalps basically so that they can be like, look, <laughs> we're awesome. Yep. No, no, no. But we we got Starbase One. We're even more awesome. And that'll that that that'll be what we're going to see, I theorize in the next episode is this plan that they've got that will essentially unify the Klingons because it will make them all kind of fall back and protect Kronos and do whatever. And we will see like why they became the unified Klingon empire that we see in TOS. So that's my theory about what, where they're going, that it's not a reset. It's just like, we're seeing how we get to the point where the relationship is what it is in the original show.
2: I really liked seeing uh, Laurel's reaction to finding out that they hadn't unified. (laughs) And (laughs) I just, oh my, I love Admiral Cornwell so much. I think Jane Brooke is just amazing. And that scene where she's just like, Takuvma was an idiot or something. I can't remember the exact line that she used. It's just like, yes, you tell her. No, you know, laurel 's like, well, if, if, they, if, if, the, if they united together, you know, that in itself is enough. It's like, nope, lady, Mm-mm. they didn't do that at all. <laughs> Quite the opposite, in fact.
1: Yeah, so their whole yes. their whole philosophy of unifying them. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's obviously I mean assuming that it doesn't end with the Klingon's takeover and every all the humans are dead, which would be really weird canonically <laughs> next time <laughs> that would be strange um, hard to mm-hmm. It sounds from like that. you know basically Lorel and and uh, uh, Takuvma will be proven right in the sense that had they all banded together, they could have defeated the Federation, but because they fought amongst themselves and didn't coordinate, they're going to lose. And mm-hmm. that's, and, and perhaps she ends up in a position of authority to put a Klingon empire together at the end. I don't know. I mean, she's in a Federation cell who knows what's going to happen to her ultimate disposition there. But yeah, I like, I like that idea that we're seeing, you know, she's going to be right. She's going to be right because they are going to get it together after mm-hmm. getting pushed out of Federation space.
0: And I, I enjoyed that scene, too, because Corbel, she also said, you know, he he's dumb. Uh, also, <laughs> uh, you know, how do we beat you? And Laurel is like, well, you could just have to conquer us
1: and or just never mm-hmm. stop so i i like that a mm-hmm.
0: lot uh although that feeds uh, into
1: the idea of just letting the emperor do what she wants right like mm-hmm. we need somebody well, so setting ruthless, us right? to defeat mm-hmm. this ruthless villain and you know you know it's going to come down to we can use their the, you know their tactics or we can be starfleet and we can be better than this and when you're pushed to the limit to the brink of you may not exist unless you play dirty um do you follow your your ethics that's obviously i mean that is totally what this season has been about and where it's going mm-hmm. so that's clearly where they're going to go i just Lorella's really interesting her relationship with cornwall is interesting like there's that whole moment of like oh yeah they like talked and stuff <laughs> and then she was like mm-hmm. the fake hostage and then she had to shoot her because she was surrounded and all mm-hmm. of that and i like that they acknowledge that and they're like you know i think we got a little bit of a connection here even though you're a klingon and i'm a federation officer i like that scene
2: that was the first thing that Laurel says, that, you know, Takuvma taught that there was no courage in humans, and he was wrong about that. And, like, yeah, yeah. looks like he was wrong about some other things. <laughs> so maybe Lorel <laughs> yeah. will come, come around a little bit. Who knows?
0: Yes, and I liked when Cornwall was like, we don't want to take away your Klingon culture. That's not what we're doing. Nobody mm-hmm. cares. You can have your own culture. Uh, Laurel, you're just wrong, man. Takuvma, mm-hmm. what a jerk. Yeah. Uh, my other favorite thing that Cornwall does is... Uh, face her a bowl full of fortune cookies.
1: Oh yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that stupid they I guess stupid
1: fortune cookies
0: <laughs> <laughs> put in mm. the middle of the conference table so she could do that. Uh-huh. They took it off his Lorca standing desk and put it in their conference uh-huh. table so she could shoot it. But I, I hope I like the okay. <laughs> I at first I was I looked away and I thought did she just shoot the triple and so I had to re <laughs> rewind and, nope just just nope. fortune cookies I was like okay that's better
2: <laughs> yeah uh, I did like her sort of you know kicking herself for not for not knowing which is funny because she did notice that he had changed she made a a Mm -hmm. point of of you know trying to get him to get some help for his ptsd or whatever uh when they were banging boots but uh but now she's like oh i should have i should have seen it and the people around her are very dryly saying, you know, Sarex is like, you know, the thought that he was a double from another universe was maybe not the most obvious possibility.
0: <laughs> right. Don't leap to that conclusion. Although that's yeah. the conclusion we leapt to, because we've seen Star Trek before, but right. she's in well. Star Trek, so she doesn't know. That's right. She hasn't uh, seen how, the show. How could you know? That's right. She hasn't watched. Uh, and she, uh, so she, is like, okay, you know, we're losing. Uh, let's get the discovery back to uh, Starbase 1, uh, as long as, you know, nothing else unforeseen has come with you from the mirror universe we should be cool everybody here don't talk about the mirror universe uh everybody it it pretend it never happened Uh, and that's when burnham kind of raises her hand and says well there's there's one other thing we haven't (laughs) told
1: you by Uh, the way we brought the emperor of the terran empire with us uh by accident i do like when cornwell's like quite frankly we don't know if we can get you home like how would we do that we don't. We don't know anything about anything. So mm-hmm. that's that's good. That, that's good. But again, then she makes terrible, terrible decisions. Yes. And one assumes. So so,
0: so Corbel knows Captain Archer. So one assumes the Federation knows of the mirror universe, but not everybody. They must have kept it top secret because of mm-hmm. the idea that there are your duplicates in the mirror universe, and so they don't want. Uh, well, in this context of the war, they don't want a bunch of people who have uh, seen their families and loved ones die, kind of want to just go to the mirror universe to meet the other people right. that are still alive, which mm-hmm. is reasonable, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. As bad an idea as that would be, like people wouldn't necessarily recognize that and understand it. So I right. get it. That makes exa- sense. Right. It Good explains
1: decision. why the, the original series crew doesn't know about the mirror universe. Mm-hmm. um and uh and they are you know and archer we never got that crossover earlier the archer was just that he went to Kronos, i guess in an enterprise episode that i do not remember but he um, did but so there so there you go so archer was there i saw and, that episode and they they gave a little tip of the cap to that nobody has been there except for in this episode of enterprise that you can watch yes. now on cbs all access all right back to the plot now <laughs> exactly you can watch <laughs> thrill as captain archer sits in a cell talking to a klingon
0: lawyer mm-hmm. it's true that is the episode yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know that could be fun. So uh, let's talk about uh, because the other big thing. So there are a bunch of uh, kind of moving pieces, and I feel like this uh, discovery is very interested in kind of duality, right, and the mirror universe and nurture versus versus nature. Uh, the big focal point of this duality is Tyler slash Vogue, right? Uh, and how his relationship with everyone now has changed because they realize, oh, he's a secret Klingon, uh, but now he's not anymore, we don't think, and he's not really responsible for what he did when he was a secret Klingon, but he still remembers all his k- secret Klingon memories, mm. uh, but he's totally cool
1: now. Has a cool so,
0: uh, he can speak Klingon now too. He's got like got all the Klingon mm-hmm. accents he and can. stuff. He can remember everything. It's great. Uh and so there we already kind of touched on this, the scene where he goes to uh get some lunch uh from the food replicators, which I think are a it nice
2: touch. The uh the uh subtitles called it a synthesizer, not a replicator, and also mm-hmm. it made a sound what? like a classic microwave beep, which I loved. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, yes, I, I enjoy that set and and, and the sound effects. Uh, and then Tilly comes over and sits with him because she's a lovely person. And then other people come and sit with him, which I thought was kind of quick, but okay, uh, it was a touching scene. Uh, well, Tilly is clearly
1: the queen bee. Everybody really just follows
0: Tilly's lead. And I like to think that Tilly gives him the benefit of the doubt more than other people because her counterpart in the mirror universe. Uh, kind of got the goal that Tilly wants, which is to be captain, but also has this reputation of just killing everybody, uh, <laughs> which is totally not Tilly. Uh, uh, so it, it, I feel like she kind of has understands a little bit of what Tyler's going through. Um, at least that's that's how I read that. Uh, plus, she's just very nice, as we've mm-hmm. discovered. But the other big thing is right, you know, ooh, Michael Burnham and uh, Tyler uh, are. are their relationship is, uh, interesting. <laughs> and, and so there's the seed where she basically avoids him, uh, and then, uh, I think Tilly or, or no, Sarek basically, when Sarek's leaving to, uh, bring along whatever secrets Georgiou has told him that the Federation has to decide if they want to take or not, which they do, uh, he says to Burnham, you know, don't ever uh, regret loving someone and so she's like okay i guess i'll go talk mm-hmm. to yeah and then she Tyler. talks
2: to, she talks to tilly too until he's saying you know oh, earlier right. saying saying you know it, talk to him he's he's not going to be able to find his way back without without you talk to him even if it's just to say goodbye so, so Sarek, says, i think is she she relents after he after sarah's
1: line then yeah yes. i I like that they're trying to deal with the fallout of like, what happens if your boyfriend is a secret Klingon who tried to kill you, (laughs) but now Mm -hmm. is maybe, I mean, the science fiction question here is like, now he's maybe a new personality that has both or he's the old personality, but with access to new memories or whatever he is. And he's also like a human personality grafted on a klingon body made to look human so it's like it's like a mess so i I like that they're grappling with it and that Mm -hmm. scene where she's like you know he says you're the reason that the whole condition didn't take is that ash tyler wasn't supposed to fall in love and that Mm -hmm. was enough of an anchor to make it that vogue couldn't emerge at the right time and and completely Mm -hmm. and all that that that's it's good to get that out there and she says yeah i also um felt your hands around my neck trying to kill me. And I am not loving that, right? And then also, and then she draws a parallel. She's like, I am taking a journey to get my own life back. It's lonely. It's hard, but I'm doing it. You need to do that too. Good luck. (laughs) she's, She's out of there. All of that I thought was interesting and dramatic. And the problem with it is, I don't think the show did a good enough job of setting up their relationship early on to make this resonant. I feel like it happened again a little bit too fast. Um and so for me it was more boring and less tr- emotional because i never fully bought into the whole burnham uh tyler relationship and maybe that's just me but i didn't it just like it never it never really clicked for me i never really saw it it just seemed like the show wanted to tell us that they've had these feelings mm-hmm. but w- mm-hmm. with the exception of like when they went that brief moment when they were camping on the planet with the blue leaves that's actually a mm-hmm. park in toronto uh they uh they didn't what <laughs> <laughs> I agree.
0: It, it yeah. was very—it's very compressed, right? There are only mm-hmm. what 15 episodes, so they need to do a lot uh, in these episodes. And they—I think you know—the good thing about having 15 episodes is that they can be focused, and you get a lot done, and the twists have more impact because there are fewer episodes. Uh, but the ba- the downside is that they can't take their time, and we yeah. talked about this in the last episode. Uh, they can't even really focus on secondary characters because they have so much a plot that you can't you know find out what uh, what's happening with tilly when she's off doing whatever with the spores uh yeah
2: uh, yeah i i agree with you jason that i like i understand why michael burnham would fall for ash tyler because he is dreamy and dishy and like i want him to be my space boyfriend but uh <laughs> he's so I vulnerable do agree that- because he's a secret
1: klingon but he's vulnerable <laughs> but, but you yeah. can fix him you can fix him uh, with just but some Klingon surgery. Hmm. That's right.
2: Yeah, you're right. Though there wasn't enough time to really to really draw that out enough to to make it work. And I think it could have worked really well because you know you've yeah. got Michael Burnham who was raised by Klingon. So so any kind of emotion is automatically going to be seen as kind of like a bad thing on a, a subconscious level to her. And breaking past that to actually fall for somebody. I mean, they they tried to show us all of that, but it just, there just wasn't quite enough enough time to do it. So so. so so, yeah, while it didn't have the emotional that, – that scene between the two of them didn't have that particular emotional resonance for me, it had a completely different emotional resonance. And that was watching it just – as a woman who has been consuming media my entire life, I was so relieved to see that, that this episode and that scene did not end with her falling back into his arms uh-huh. or them kissing uh-huh. or something because so much of what, I, of what you see on television uh, is – You know, it's got that sort of romance plot that even if he'd done you wrong, you know, you you take him back and love love wins out in the end. And I think that that has been a really damaging trope for a lot of women who have been in abusive relationships. And to see that they didn't go in that direction... I I fear that that they're going to end up back together again and I kind of don't want to see that at this point especially since he's not really the same person anymore but I loved seeing her take her own future in her hands and and speaking of hands you know like you said Jason talking about feeling his hands around her neck and how much seeing how much he wanted to kill her in his eyes And, and I like the fact that she is not able to get past that because I think that would be entirely unrealistic for her to just be like yeah you're right I forgive you because no, that's not the kind of thing that you should just forgive. But I think yes. a lot of other shows would have would have had her do that. And yeah. so thank you Discovery mm-hmm. for not.
1: It sort of feels like uh, there's two like either this needed a a standard 22 episode season which you know they don't do really that much anymore or it was two seasons worth of story like Mm -hmm. the fact that they waited so long to get into the mirror universe the mirror universe stuff was packed they put everything else on hold and so this episode they have to take it all off hold and rush us through it because they've only got one more and there's so much it's so ambitious and there's so much story going on and it does feel like they, they just didn't have the time to do it I do I do question like I get now why they spent two Hours on the shenzhou before sending her to Discovery, but it does mm-hmm. feel like the early part of the season maybe was a little bit slow, and now they're paying the price and having to pay all this stuff off rapidly at the end. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, this whole episode felt to me like, I, I, I if I try to imagine how uh, a se- a season is plotted, like. Sometimes it feels like the pl- the story is sort of naturally moving forward, and then every now and then there's what they often call the mer- moving furniture episode, you know, where they, where they have to push mm-hmm. everything around to get it in the right place to have their big resolution that they want, and this felt mm-hmm. like a furniture moving episode. I, I've, I've said, like, I think the last six or seven episodes I've said, I think this is the best episode of Discovery yet. I do not think this was the best episode <laughs> of Discovery yet. I think this is, in fact, mm, the most no. disappointing episode of Discovery in, you know, like eight or 10 episodes it's just you know because it's very clear they're doing a lot of heavy lifting and plot work to get things where they want them to be for their big finale and yeah paying some emotional beats off and that all is good Mm -hmm. but you know i don't think it was a bad episode i think the federation did many stupid things in it but (laughs) it it did feel you could feel the burden of like having to pay off plot points and having to push things along and having to get whoever wrote this episode and i didn't write down who the writer was lisa randolph okay the tough assignment for her tough assignment i feel like because this episode has to do so much and it's it's just it's hard Mm -hmm. you can see the strains of trying to get everything into this episode
2: I think given what she was, what she had to, to, to deal with, that she, she did an excellent job. And I think she really knocked it out of the park when it, park when it came to like the interpersonal scenes. Totally. Because I think that while, yeah, I, I came out of the previous episode just being like, woohoo, this is so exciting. Oh my God, what's going on? And this one, I, I definitely didn't come out of it feeling like that. But the quieter, scenes between people i felt was was maybe some of the strongest that that we've seen yet especially i mean the relationship between mirror Giorgio and michael in, in prime burnham is really interesting and i loved the scene between Giorgio and sarek um which was just like that was that was like two equals oh, really
0: a great scene facing off mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, so let's talk, so that let's was talk great. about that scene mm-hmm. after jason talks about tea
1: oh yes i just wanted to say again even though we're back out of the mirror universe we have mirror uh giorgio uh kicking around and so for now anyway we will continue to tell you about the mirror mirror deals that are available at our sponsor the new mexico tea company go to Co, n-m-t-e-a-c-o dot slash and you'll get a discount you use coupon code mirror mirror at checkout for a really nice discount uh the new mexico tea company's been paying attention to sort of of what's going on in the mirror universe or with our mirror characters on discovery and uh, so that's a fun way that you can save on tea and i uh, i have this is all the tea i drink basically is from new mexico tea company they have great prices they have a great selection i buy loose tea in bulk with, from new mexico tea company um they're star trek fans obviously and so if you are a tea drinker uh you should go to new mexico tea company nmtco.com tv for the discovery discount and thanks to them for sponsoring this Flashcast, which has been fun.
0: Yes, and uh, a listener went and to their retail location, one assumes oh. in New Mexico, and bought some tea and uh, gave the little Vulcan salute uh, outside of the, the store and sent a picture nice. on Twitter. That's I don't remember awesome. who that listener was. If I were a better host, I would have looked that up. But thanks. <laughs> you know who you are. Yes.
1: <laughs> thanks, Albuquerque, listener, New up.
0: Mexico. Albuquerque, New Mexico is where they are. <laughs> So let's talk about, uh, Sarek and Georgiou and them talking to one another about their, their mentor, no, their mentee, uh, mm-hmm. Georgiou, uh, not Georgiou, Burnham, uh, and how, you know, Georgiou is basically like, I know Michael Burnham, Sarek. I know she is damaged and makes poor decisions. Uh, and Sarek is like, I think it might be a mistake to compare our two mentees because my mentee had a much better mentor. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm a space racist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, that scene did work very well for me, because I feel like Burnham, in both universes, uh, she talks about kind of, well, we only see one Burnham, but she talks about fate a lot, because uh, she feels like she has made some de- poor decisions, and then she finds out in the mirror universe her counterpart has also made some poor decisions, uh, and her parents are dead in both universes. It's not great for her. Um... But, uh Sarek being logical, I assume, would probably reject this notion
1: yeah, it's yeah, it's you know parallel, like playing out the parallels, this is why the mirror universe is fun is the parallels, and so here we get the deconstruction of uh the relationships of them and and there's that fun moment of you know well. I know that, you know, that your Burnham betrayed her mentor and, you know, made a one bad decision that led to... Her. It's like, aha, we're not so different, you and I. And then Sarah's like, no, we're very different. That's good. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, she's like, I reject your thesis.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I also get kind of annoyed with the idea of, like, the fate and the destiny thing because, I mean... It and they haven't really strongly addressed it here but generally when you get the idea of uh, you know a multiverse with multiple universes like you know they're going to each one is going to split from from another at a certain point so some of them are going to be more similar than others and it makes sense that if you're going to break through from one to another it's probably going to be one that's not terribly far away Uh, so I don't really think it's fate I just think it's science and I wish
1: they would like (laughs) cool it on that (laughs) sorry guys yeah. Enough with the fate. I think if yeah. you look at, at throughout all of Star Trek canon, the fact that the same people are in the same places in both universes throughout, like more than a century of time suggests that it has to be fate because there's because there's no actual logical explanation for how you'd breach (laughs) has make such a breach in the timeline and 100 years later, it's still the same people hanging around deep space. Well, if
2: if there's a true infinity of universes, there is one that has all of those things (laughs) lining up every 100 years. Still, that is, Still, that's science. the
0: universe that has a, a, a sympathetic relationship with our universe. So that's the one that's easy to jump to mm-hmm. and, and back and forth. That's, it's basically that's I, Swiss
2: cheese, like the holes between, <laughs> between them at this point. <laughs> you just
1: need to beam with some ion storms or have mm-hmm. some other kind of like funny thing happen and then you're you're Space cheese. Yeah. You
0: need, you need three things to happen near space cheese and then you go into the mirror universe. Mm-hmm. So, be careful with your space cheese. Uh, speaking of space cheese, spores. They're out of spores. Uh, oh. uh, that's, a, that's a segue, kids. Because
1: no, the, cause the uh, moon is full of space
0: <laughs> and, and cheese. Now, that's right. <laughs> and th- yes! this, this, I did not understand, well, I mean, there's not much to understand. It's just a string of techno babble, and then they go and shoot some probes at a moon, and then suddenly mm-hmm. there are spores again. Yep. Uh, it didn't really work that well for me, but I knew they needed to solve the problem of the spores, so I guess it's fine. Did they? I mean... I guess.
2: Have I, you watched those 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 videos of like mushrooms growing and like spores and things? This and then mm-hmm. on Earth in real life. Like there are things that can grow so fast you can actually watch it happening. So I was totally fine with <laughs> using, you know, advanced space technology and EMPs and stuff to to activate the, the growth of these things even faster and have it just poof
1: right up. And my headcanon has it that Stamets had totally been scoping out like a moon that he was going to ask like it's like how, with uh, carol marcus and the genesis effect right where it's like they're scoping mm-hmm. out places to grow all the mushrooms right and i think he was doing that i think and then i think he was like oh man one of my mushroom moons or as i like to call them mush moons is right over there let's just we don't even need yeah. approval yeah. there'll be no bureaucracy let's just fire a bunch of spores at it and make a giant mushroom moon. And it'll be and fine. They're like all right fine let's do it fine <laughs> okay he, he even says he does, it actually yeah. he does mm-hmm.
2: it's, it's not that's practically on screen canon because i can't remember the name that he said but he said so and so quashed the idea so it's something that he, oh, had, yeah. he that that they had been planning i think it was his, bu- his buddy was like,
1: on the other ship that blew up Yes. yeah that's right yeah so they was... so
2: they probably so yeah he probably had this moon sort of in his back pocket all along and it was sort of like you know the the one that got away uh-huh. and now's his chance to try it and it worked
1: yeah i mean so much for him him kicking the spores though it's like uh also they didn't need to have this complication other than they wanted to have the crew feel like they were sacrificing themselves in the last episode which was incredibly mm-hmm. dramatic and good and i'm you know mm-hmm. i i understand it but the, you know they could have been like hey it turns out we still have some spores it's fine and it's, dead. it's like nope we're gonna <laughs> go to this moon and fire off some things it was fun it was a cool looking effect it, 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 it did look look in, in an episode mm-hmm. with not a lot of like f- visual action right there's a lot of emotional stuff but there's not a lot of visuals there's the we found a broken starbase, and there's this uh mm-hmm. it's and it gets us you know it gets us full of fungus again full of full of spores <laughs> So, you know, anything could happen now because the the sport drive is is back in business. And Stamets is now supremely confident that he can navigate, um, which I guess will either be right or really wrong. Those are the choices. Yes, that's true. Because basically,
0: discovery is now a TARDIS, right? Because it can travel in space and time. So, uh, can it I,
2: though? Have we have have they have we determined that it can actually travel backwards in yeah, time? that or can we it don't only
0: know. Just jump forward. It can go forward. So I guess it could be. It could be a semi. It's at the moment partially a TARDIS. Yeah, but it can go through can go parallel backwards.
1: dimensions, which is fun. So
0: yes, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I expect that the time travel aspect will be, um, perhaps, in season two seen again and we will find out if we can travel back in time um And then erase
2: all of this. A lot lot of people are still,
1: you know, still have this feeling like the Klingon War extent is so great that there's no way to not have this end in a reset. But like I said earlier, I don't think that is what I'm seeing now. It feels to me Mm -hmm. like they're just going to get us back to that, you know, unified in recession but unified Klingon Empire um, with those more hardly drawn, you know, more just clearer barriers at the neutral zone, basically. Yeah. Um, I agree, and then the Cold because War think,
0: begins. Because I think the the important thing is that they're the houses are not united, so they've all been doing like random things, and they make a big point of that. Like they're not there's no logic to their attack pattern, just pockets of things. So they may have taken twenty percent of the Federation space, but it's like. Spread out across, mm-hmm. uh, I imagine, in my head, uh spread out across random pockets. So it's like, well, you can't even sustain this, Klingons. Mm-hmm. So uh, get your act together, right? Yeah.
2: Uh, but it's also really hard to fight against too, because it's mm-hmm. the, you know when there's no plan, it's just it is just random terrorism and chaos, which is yes. why the Federation has fared so poorly because they've never really faced an enemy
0: like this before. And I did think, I did like, they just mentioned it, right? Cornwall says that two space, uh, starbases were destroyed because, uh, Klingon ships went in cloaked and followed other ships mm-hmm. and then blew themselves up, which I thought was, uh, uh, a very powerful image. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that I actually we didn't see it, but it was enough to just say it. Um, and I also yeah. thought the powerful image of them, you know, dropping out of warp and showing up at starbase one and finding it, uh, with a little Klingon symbol on it and scanning it for uh, life signs. And uh, uh, the crew member says there are, what, like, I don't know, 8,000 Klingons or something like that. And Cornwell's like, no, humans. Uh, Or maybe she says non-Klingons. And there are none of them.
2: And that yeah. was very sad. Um, I didn't. Yeah, I was a little. I was a little taken aback by by how taken aback she was. Yeah. I mean, she's an admiral and she's been through nine months of really harsh, hellish war. The idea that she just lets her ship that she is currently commanding hang mm-hmm. there while she takes it all in was a little bit, a little bit much um, for for my taste. I feel like she's she should be a little bit more battle hardened. And I mean, I, I, I've had cannoned it away by thinking that there are uh, you know somebody that she really really cared about was on that stage and that's it was a personal thing uh, getting yeah. to her but i still didn't like
1: it that saru had to jump up and be like let's yep. get us out of here i didn't like the lack of professionalism from her that that I, mm. I and i don't see why she had to be in the captain's seat i mean he could have been in the captain seat and she could have been standing there as an admiral and having him call you know shields up and let's get out of here and all of that and instead she's sitting there kind of staring and and not not being the captain and Saru has to jump in which is great but it makes her seem I don't know a little less competent than I than I think she's been portrayed and and yep. that that was kind of uh, annoying because we were just shouting at the screen shields up shields up hello <laughs> and she's like but, but but no but it's no but we're the people it's like come on
2: yeah, I feel like that was the, the show was trying to trying to really show us exactly what a big deal this is by mm-hmm. having her do that. And I don't think that was the right way to do it because I think it really undermined her as a character and right. undermined logic in general.
0: Yeah. That's true. It did not seem like an admiral in Starfleet would do that, but um, she did. And so there you go. Uh, yeah. But uh, what, what can you do? Uh, so is there anything else in this episode we want to talk about? Uh, we've covered the important thing. My first note,
1: Cornwall shoots fortune cookie. So yep. I, have they, two, <laughs> I have two non-important points that I want to make sure we bring up because they're not important. But I want to I want to anyway. One of them is, why do we have transporter rooms and transporter pads? Because they, <laughs> uh-huh. they like literally question they they beam in. And then just beam uh, Georgiou to a room, and they're in the transporter room, (laughs) and they don't make her go back on the pad. My headcanon
2: is that if you are trying to beam somebody to the ship or from the ship, you have to do it from the transporter room. Like, there's, there's some sort of, I don't know, transportery cloak around the you ship have, have so that start? random people can't just, like you know, beam on if they don't have the right codes. You mean, like, whatever. what
1: happens in the very next scene when random but people just... Do they have the right codes the right because codes, they're right. Starfleet? They've got that mucky awesome. six digit prefix code yes. that lets Starfleet yep. security is notoriously poor. Right. So. so, there's some sort of shield that prevents beaming generally, yeah. and then this is, like, the door admit, that you can I admit, open. It is fragile, tenuous headcanon, but I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just thought, like, why? even why not make her stand back on the pad why are that's we doing yeah. an intership beaming and my, my well my my headcanon also erica is yeah you know there's a 0.01 percent chance that she's going to end up with her insides on the outside at the other end which is why we normally just have people walk through the ship to the other rooms <laughs> but in this case she's super dangerous and we don't really care about the 0.01 percent with her so just that's beam true. her. we don't care that's, that's fine true. That's right. So that that's my head cam. But anyway, I just had a moment where it's like you're in the transporter room <laughs> <laughs> Not beaming her on the pad. Just walk to the pad. Just make her. And
2: against uh, I think Saru. Did, it, it, she said something about uh, eating Kelpian. So I feel like That's maybe true. his his desire to get her out of there as fast as possible without having any more contact with her,
1: right. even asking her to take twelve steps back,
2: is probably. I'm okay with that.
1: All right, Captain's prerogative. Okay. Mm. And my other piece is there's a uh, they're they're basically like okay after they say Captain Kelly, you know they they the, the Klingons destroyed the ISS Discovery. All right fine the um the other thing <laughs> is like well, you know, we assume that like, people could, they couldn't survive in that universe. So, you know, we, we're going to assume Lorca uh-huh. is dead. That line mm-hmm. of dialogue. And I, and I was like, ha 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 ha. ha, ha. Yes, let's hang a lantern on that one. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. Lorca is probably dead in the other universe. Mm hmm. Sure. Sure. And <laughs> yeah. Burnham, too. Burnham, who we also don't have any proof actually mm-hmm. died. It's only rumor. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Mm hmm. Sure. That That's, uh, un- they're, they're both dead until the moment when they appear on the show. So, <gasps> all right. I totally, I laughed at that, too. <laughs> yeah, I just wrote it down. I was like, yep, yep, you're trying really hard to make it that the other Lorca is dead. I'm... Sure, that's it. Sure. Also,
2: it's kind of sad that she, like, that's how much faith she has in this guy who was her friend. Um, like, yeah, he couldn't have it. I'm sure he, he was killed
1: it.
0: instantly in that other year. <laughs> well, no, because he's no regular Starfleet right. officer could possibly survive because your, your ethics no. and morals would just mm. immediately is a death sentence the in the The people from that alone. universe
1: are monsters, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm putting one of them in charge of your ship. <laughs> exactly. It makes perfect sense. There, when you put it that way... <laughs> (laughs) well yeah sometimes you need a monster to fight a monster jason Mm. yeah well i mean that's again i get that's actually what they're going for but i kind of wanted to see i I mean i kind of wanted to see the scene where cornwell says to saru and to burnham we're gonna do this and we're gonna put her in charge and you're gonna act like she's the captain and you're gonna make sure that the crew believes that she's the the real uh the real giorgio and this is, these are your orders. And, you know, she's not really the captain, but you need to make her look like the captain, prop her up. Like, I kind of wanted that yeah, scene the, where they're uh, like, no, I object to this. This is ridiculous. And am like, look, we are desperate. She, we made a deal with her. This is how it's going to work. I, I, I just, I really wanted that scene so that when she walks maybe, on the bridge, yeah. I don't know.
2: Maybe we get that next time though because right. I think they weren't expecting it. Well, <laughs> their reaction seemed yes. a little bit blindsided. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that, I think that's I, the I think that's what the show r- wanted and what the show's writers mm-hmm. wanted is to catch them flat-footed and surprise us. The I but it, it doesn't mm-hmm. that's that's why i'm frustrated is that i think that's stupid that they would do it that way <laughs> and not actually tell them you guys already know who she is we're not gonna surprise georgia's here we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna tell you what we're doing uh, and maybe it'll come back next week and sh- they'll be like mm-hmm. there'll be a scene after the scene in this episode yeah. where they go back to the office and say what the hell and they throw a triple and the gorn statue <gasps> gets knocked over and ah! other stuff happens i don't know
2: I don't my know. my reading on that whole thing is that 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 was a calculated move because especially after being in the mirror universe and having to, to fend for those themselves and, and stuff um, and given whatever mysterious thing that uh, that the Emperor has has told them I suspect that Saru and Burnham are not going to like whatever the actual plan is and oh, they yeah. certainly of course we're not going to mm-hmm. like that and Admiral uh, Cornwell knew that so she basically was just like I am pulling a fast one on them yep. and I'm Doing this and announcing it in in public in front of them, so that there's nothing that they can do to to you know to quash my plans before this is already out in the open.
0: Right, and I took the so the the loss of Starbase One, I feel hit clearly. They, the writers want mm-hmm. us to know that it hit Cornwall very harshly uh, because she mentions you know most of Starfleet Command was on Starbase One, mm-hmm. and she could not even imagine. Uh, a scenario in which it would be destroyed uh, or taken captive. Uh, and so she is now desperate at any cost to win this war. And now she has a weapon that she can use that she knows Burnham and Saru would not be totally on with using. So she's like, mm-hmm. we're going to do it. And uh, maybe we'll explain it later.
1: <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. I'm an
0: admiral. Nobody asks me questions. I, I give orders, <laughs> I don't give answers. <laughs> It's good. To, it's good to be the admiral. Mm. That's right. She could take the caps chair charity, what time she wants. She could shoot fortune cookies, and nobody cares. It's pretty good. So, overall, though, what did we think of this episode, uh, Jason? You've already said not so great. Yeah, uh, Erica, your thoughts?
2: Uh, I, I will say, sort of great. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't great from the sort of the plot, movie, like excitement, but I. I am usually a character oriented person. like I want to see two characters sitting in a room, and a lot of people think that a lot of my favorite things are really boring, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but I love it. So I got a lot of moments in this episode that I thought were just fantastic and some of the and some of the best that I have seen in in all of the this whole season, which I have enjoyed thoroughly from the very beginning up until now. so so i'm st- I'm still saying great, but maybe not as great um, overall. And some of the others
0: and I enjoyed it although I did think uh, that it was never it's never good when I notice they are moving things around for the plot to mm-hmm. for the next episode because I tend not to notice these things uh, but w- this kind of episode it's hard not to notice that uh, but I think the ending which I did not predict uh, with you know Captain Georgiou appearing um Made up for it because it was a twist that I was not expecting. I was just expecting them to be like, "Okay, we'll do whatever Captain, whatever Emperor Geordi says," but we're not gonna give her uh, the captaincy of our most important starship because um, <laughs> that just seems like a bad idea, as Jason has pointed out. And I think yep. it might prove to be a bad idea in the next episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't wait to find I, out. <laughs> I suspect thematically, it must. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think so, but we will find that out next week Ooh. when we talk about "Will you take my hand?" Which is the uh, title of the next episode. Oh, yeah. I
2: thought you were just asking. Yes or no? Say, this is Skype.
0: <laughs> Doesn't work that way. I don't want excuses, Erica. I just want you to take <laughs> my hands. <laughs> oh man. Uh, good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>